Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 132 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel we have Ward Bell. Hello everyone. John Papa. Hey everybody. I'm Charles Max Wood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out to go check out JS Remote Comp. Um, now, you guys have been talking back and forth about John experimenting with the CLI, so... Um, I'm going to kind of let you guys take it from here and take it in the direction you want to go. And I'll just ask meaningful or very basic questions, depending on where I'm at with it. They probably are going to be meaningful, basic. Anyway, um, John. Or, you you know, you and I uh, have done a lot of work together and in our work together, we have pretty much done the roll it from zero using a little system JS, kind of like where the docs are today. And uh, whereas other people have been using this thing called the Angular CLI. And recently, uh, my understanding is that you are, have been dipping your toes in the Angular CLI waters. So the world wants to know why and what you think. Yeah, I think it's, uh, first of all, I think it's good, but it might be advantageous for everybody to understand where I kind of, this is my personal opinion, but where I kind of view the CLI. Oh, and you might want to describe what the heck it is in case somebody doesn't know. Yeah, and CLI, or as some of my friends like to call it, the CLI. The CLI. (laughs) The CLI. (laughs) Yeah. CLI stands for Command Line Interface. So it's basically, it's, it's a set of tools to help you be more efficient with Angular than you could be on your own, effectively. And the way I view the CLI is the CLI is going to generate code for you. It's going to help you with your build process, help you with serving, help you with testing, uh, all that kind of stuff with basically uh, tooling off a command line. Now, to do that, where I kind of view the CLI is I kind of view it as a partner between Angular, the CLI itself, and the style guide. I think those three things kind of go hand in hand and have a symbiotic relationship because it wouldn't help you, for example, to be writing with Angular code, going off the style guide and going off the reservation, not following it, and then the CLI does something completely different than the other two. So these three things kind of have the same concert. Uh, For example, it wouldn't be any sense to me writing something in style guide that CLI isn't really following or vice versa. So we're all talking to each other. And I Mm -hmm. think it's important for you to understand is it's not picking. It's if you pick one of these things or multiple of these things, they should all give you the same similar experience of producing quality Angular apps. Yeah, so it's a three-legged stool. You don't want to – if you pull out one of the legs, it's going to topple. Yeah, and it's the guys who run the CLI team are talking with the folks in the uh, style guide team, which includes me and Ward and others. And they're also talking with the Angular core team. And there's people on the core team in all these uh, groups as well. Uh, I just happen to have a particular passion for both the style guide and the CLI, so uh, I try to stay in touch with both. Well, is the uh, wh- where is the uh, the CLI on the road to you know a release in your? It's somewhere around Albuquerque right now. Uh, Albuquerque, okay. <laughs> yeah, West. They put it on a bus, and you know it's most of the way across the country. <laughs> It's interesting that you thought it was coming towards you as opposed to away from you, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, that's true. You know, that's the way I feel. And someday, someday the big one is going to hit and everything east of the Rocky Mountains is going to slide into the Atlantic Ocean. That's kind of how I look at it. Well, the CLI, I think, honestly, today, it's in a good state. It's in a really good state. Uh, it's been, gosh, I don't know, two years. I've had my fingers dipping in and out of it and seeing kind of where it was the idea behind it has always been good. Uh, but the team working on it is actually quite small. There's just a couple of full-time folks working on it, and most of them work for the community. But what they've built, and from what I see, this is, again, my perspective, they have built a really good set of tools to help you create a solid starting point for an Angular app, like that seed project, and then from there, customize it the way you want so you get good testing build and deploy processes and code generation processes along the way. Uh, And I think they're very, very close to having a shippable product. Now, I want to chime in on this because I've used the CLI a few times, not super recently, but, uh, you know, when I set up my Angular app and I back it onto a Rails app, 
you know, I use the CLI to set it up and to build it and to uh, tell it to serve and things like that. And it seems to work fine. So what about it is not ready for release? I kind of just assumed that it was all good. So I think it's right now, for example, we're at, uh, today we're filming. It's the last day of January in 2017. I've been using it quite a bit lately and I have not run into a lot of issues lately. A lot of the stuff I've seen recently is more just, it's kind of like when you're building a house and you're, you know, you're touching up the trim or you're putting on the super gloss semi white on top under your door frame. Mm-hmm. There's little things here and there. Uh, in some cases, they're edge cases. Like if I'm doing this and these other three things in the air at the same time, this problem happens. Uh, so they're really at this point just trying to close out those P0 issues, which most of them seem to be gone, priority zero. And then just those pieces where it's difficult to, to have a take back. And what I mean by that is once you release a product, like you call it the official release, you don't want to have breaking changes. So if there's an API yeah. change or something we need to make, they're trying to consider those things right now. Say, okay, last minute thing, look at all the feedback we've gotten on Gitter and the GitHub issues and the inside channels. What is here that either we need to pull back on now or we need to fix up? And I think, like I said, I think they're darn close. Um, like if you use it today and install today, I think you're going to be, again, my personal opinion, you're going to be using what is effectively darn close to what's released. Now, now I've been kind of following what you know what's been going on, and and Chuck, that may have been your experience, but I can tell you, there's been some real deep stuff happening under the hood that you wouldn't have wanted to commit to until recently, like the move to Webpack two and trying to figure out how to do uh, AOT and lazy loading together, which is which is mm, yeah. still a, cha- a huge challenge to do by hand. And, and as I understand it, you know, they, they, they conquered that uh, with a CLI. Um, so um, uh, there's been a lot going on uh, beneath the surface there that account for, for its um, prolonged lifetime. And you uh, just touched on two of the things that I think had a lot of churn for a while, right? The lazy yeah, loading, the AOT, and the webpack. And performance. The other thing is uh, there's a strong desire to have uh, you be able to develop um, with many of the switches turned on in a CLI and get that fast iteration um, that you would expect as a developer. You can't be sitting around waiting for your tools to to do their bit. And it it has been challenging, but but John is going to be able to tell us – Somewhat, what his current experience is, the numbers I'm hearing about are pretty solid. Um, so that's uh, that's been another thing that's given some of us pause. And there's a reason why the Angular docs haven't been talking about it. Because um, there's one more, well, in my view, critical feature. And maybe John can talk about this too. It's, it's uh, around here, it's known as the exit button. Uh, there are some things that the Angular CLI won't deliberately isn't touching right now. And if you needed to do them, then you would have to part company with a CLI. And nobody wants to give you a tool to paint you into a corner where you've, you know, you've invested heavily and suddenly you need this feature and you got nowhere to go. So there has to be a way, very simple way, to say, thank you, CLI, for taking me to here. I'm going to have to go my own way going forward. Really appreciate it. Um, see ya. And that, that, that button isn't quite here yet. Um, but, uh, but I think it's important. And, and John, can you opine on that? Yeah, because I want to be careful how we, how we express this because both Ward and I, first of all, really like the CLI and where it's headed. Yeah, but absolutely. The exit button is, is very important because let me give you a very valid use case. Uh, I work for different companies that who have very specific processes. And now imagine you work at a company who says, we want everybody to use the same starter seed project for our Angular apps. And that company also has specific security policies and logging policies and just lots of things that are very custom to that company. Let's call that company IdeaBlade. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> A great company. A great, great company. company. It very sounds really processes. great. Yeah. It does. <laughs> but IdeaBlade has their own way to do security. Not their own way, but you know they have very specific security practices and policies. 
compliance policies, logging policies. Maybe they go to Splunk or to some other database. Totally absurd bureaucratic policies. Well, I was going to say, maybe maybe IdeaBlade has some policies surrounding regulatory issues. So they have PCI or HIPAA where they can't log certain information or can't log any information in certain ways. Yeah, there's lots of reasons that companies have to have things that are specific, even down to silly stuff like every time we send a log message back, it's got to have this header on it. Yeah. Uh, Those are things that you would not want the Angular CLI to customize for you because how – think about this. Again, small team, do you really want them producing every single touch point for every customization to make every single customer happy? Um, What other companies or other teams do to solve this problem using another analogy, is like VS Code or Atom, they don't build everything into the product. They build an extensibility API to make it easy for you to customize how you use VS Code with extensions. So what are, the reason for the exit clause needs to be there is, let's say your company, IdeaBlade, has to do all this. They're not going to be able to get attention. Not every company is not going to get the attention for Angular to build in exactly what you want. But instead, you need to have a way to say, look, if I can't do that and I can't extend it yet, which they're going to work on too, then I need a way to say, okay, I need to build my own Webpack build process or I need to build my own blueprints for templates for creating um, components or services. Therefore, I need to back off the CLI for a minute and go my own direction. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're talking about by an exit clause. It's not, oh my gosh, the Angular team did a horrible job. It's they're doing everything they can, but they can't solve a million people's problems. Another way I like to look at it is I'm flying in a plane, not a commercial plane. I'm flying in a plane. I want my parachute. <clears throat> I hope never to have to use it. I'm <laughs> I may never push the exit button. I may never pull the ripcord, but darn it. I'm not flying that plane unless I got my parachute. Now that won't work if I'm traveling, you know, flying United airlines, but, um, where they don't give us a parachute. They give us a little floaty thing that's under our seat in case we land on the water. Um, <laughs> but, but, but that's, you know, a, a business might r- rightly say, I may never pull the ripcord, but I want a parachute. And um, so uh, without a parachute in, in, the, um, in the CLI, uh, that, that is potentially constraining. And I, we're joking about it, but there are certain kinds of things that the CLI deliberately doesn't do yet. Um, or can't accommodate for because they don't want to block, box themselves in, and those things might really be important to you. So anyway, don't want to belabor it too much. We want to be yeah. very clear that the CLI is um, is goodness, uh, but you but there may you know there are reasons why that we haven't, for example, in in the uh, in the docs um, uh, adopted it yet. But we're gonna, so stay tuned. Yeah, it's coming and. It's close enough now where I think it's it's time to have those conversations, right? War to how oh, we we're CLI the docs. Yeah, yeah, we're having them, wow. and we're moving we're moving there. We got a, a phase one to move there. Uh, coming up this week, in the sense that we're going to adapt our our uh, sample uh, folder structure to match the default structure coming out of the CLI, so it looks like it. We know that it'll run with CLI and stuff like that, and, and then we're going to start making the CLI the preferred path to um, developing an app. And that, that, that means changing the way we write about it. It doesn't mean, by the way, we won't talk to you about how to do it without the CLI, but you know, it's a matter of, of uh, what's, what's, the, what's the recommended path, and we're going to go towards the CLI. If you want CLI. a glimpse today, your, your docs today have a CLI quick start and a regular quick start, correct? They do. They do. They do. And they're both going to um, stick around, from what I understand. Oh, yeah, 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 because we got to keep the other stuff. And there'll be some people, you know, I mean, like uh, maybe people in Visual Studio, the full-blown Visual Studio, won't cotton to the CLI. They're going to want to have a whole build system of their own. And in that case, you know, you got to be able to do it. Angular works wherever. Um, so this is a lot of throat clearing about the CLI, but it's probably important. Uh, to me, um, uh, the, it comes back to now... Does the CLI do what I want it to do? Can I use it for development? Is the development cycle quick enough? Am I liking what it's producing? Does it really feel like the time saver that um, it's supposed to be? Uh, So, John, how is it? It, It's great. In a nutshell, it's great. And, again, I've been using this on and off for two years, give or take, and I haven't always been able to say that. Uh, In fact, if you go on the issues for the CLI repo, I feel bad sometimes about this. I think I've opened up 
twice as many issues as anybody else um, for either bugs or for feature requests or documentation. Uh, and they've all been addressed, which is great. The team is wonderful, by the way. The people running this are just super responsive and helpful. But today, it's great. And let's start with some use cases. So if you're a person who likes to write code and is tired of writing boilerplate Angular, you you know, you got to create a new component. And with that component, you need an HTML template, and you want a CSS file, and you want to write a spec with it, and you want to make sure it gets plugged into the module and declared properly, or you have a service that's got to get into a provider properly. Those things are great use cases for wanting to use the CLI because that takes time. You got to create the file, you got to name it, you got to save it with your editor. You've got to then maybe you use a snippet, maybe you don't to go generate you know the metadata for the component, fill in the right properties. Then you got to remember, oh, I got to put this component in my declarations. The CLI has commands that will do all that for you. So just for like everyday coding, it will save you time, which is great. And it doesn't make decisions that you have to back out of. And what I mean by that is maybe you don't want specs. Maybe you don't like writing unit tests. And Ward's going to come to your house and beat you up, but maybe you just don't do this. And if you don't, guess what? The CLI has an option where you tell it, when you generate components or services, don't generate a spec. Or maybe you like inline Sacre HTML. Bleu. So all these little things, like how you want it to function... There's a configuration file called the Angular CLI JSON, which helps you set these properties. Say, you know what? When I generate this, don't do that or do it this way. Um, and they're they're the more common choices. They're not every customization, but they're the very common ones that you'll you'll encounter. Well, and I can just chime in on this because uh, the Rails Rails shipped with uh, CLI pretty early on and did a lot of this code generation, and it was nice because if you wanted to generate uh, a controller and you knew what actions you wanted on it, you could do it. And what was really nice is if you wanted to generate just boilerplate rest routes, you could just do that. And so, you know, those common cases were covered and it allowed people to move ahead and just put the stuff where it needed to go without creating all the boxes to put it in first. So you guys both feel that, I mean, the, 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 the obvious thing was to have the CLI scaffold the initial project for you. And then the question was, would I, after I've done that, would I ever ask the CLI to do anything again? So what I'm hearing is, yeah, you'd use it for the initial scaffold, but yeah, you'd use it to add a new component or add a new service. And I take it you would also use it, John, to, to let it do all the build for you. Yes, but I want to answer your other, your, you kind of made some assumptions there, and I'd say yes and no to what you just said. So okay. I absolutely would generate the project with it, and I would absolutely use the CLI to generate a component, but I don't think I would use it to generate a service. Mm -hmm. You might ask, why? What's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Well, with a component, you may or may not have a spec, an HTML file, a CSS file, and a, and a TypeScript file, four of them. And you may or may not put that in its own folder, depending on how you architect it. With a service... I probably at most have the TypeScript file and the spec, and that's it. And to me, and the stuff that goes between them, like when you're generating a component, you have to tell the component where the CSS is and, the, and point it to the HTML and all the stuff in the metadata. There's a lot of boilerplate. With a service, there isn't. It's just a class. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'd use it for those, but I definitely would use it for the others. And that's the good part of the CLI is just because it's there doesn't mean you have to. So it's okay. really up to you. Okay, so I see it. So, so you would use you'd be tempted to use the CLI when there was a lot of when there would be a you'd want in one step to get a lot of files generated and have them all hooked up and all the registrations and all the right places done. Yes, but if the work like creating a service, it's not that hard to just create myself a service. You're saying, eh, maybe I would just do that myself. Yeah, and, and to go further on that, like when you hook a component up, you also have to put it in the, you have to declare it somewhere, right? In a model. Right, right. Um, it does that for you, which is nice. But on the other side, and, and this was one of the things we went back and forth on the CLI. At one point, there was talk about the CLI adding the service, providing the service at a certain point. Yeah. But there's really no way for the where do you want to provide this? Yeah. Because that's very, go, go read the docs. That there's a lot of decisions to make on that. So the CLI yeah. does not provide the service when you generate it. You have to do it yourself anyway. And if I'm doing all this work myself, I might as well just write my own service and put it where I want anyway. 
Well, and then you would also, but, but John, it's not entirely either or, right? I mean, there's not like the CLI or I've got notepad. You've got snippets, right? Yeah. So I've written snippets for VS code and others have made them for Adam and Visual Studio. And I think sublime ones on one storm. Uh, you can use these snippets. So once you open a file, name it and save it, you can use snippets to generate these code things. So it's a continuum. I've got I've got the CLI to do stuff when it's multi-file and lots of wiring things together. Um, I got a or, or I can use a bare file with for the simple things like services and use your snippets, or I can go to the Notepad approach and yep. just write from scratch. So yeah, I have I have a bunch of snippets and they work on a bunch of platforms and I use those for single file generation and it's it's super easy. I've been using those for two years without the CLI. But now, with the CLI, I would scaffold the project with that and then make my decision upon, okay, I'm about to generate a bunch of components. I'm going to use the CLI. I'm just generating a pipe or a service. I'm going to code it myself. And, and John, when I, when I go and start coding something myself and then I decide to say, well, that was great, but now I want the CLI to do this other task and create this other stuff, there's no collision, right? I don't have to worry that whatever I did on my own is going to uh, get clobbered by the CLI or make the CLI go nuts? I would say yes with two caveats, and these are assumptions. As long as you started with the CLI, of course, because you want to have that pattern, and the second one is you've been following the style guide somewhat. Uh, for example, the CLI is going to name things in a certain way, and you can customize some of it with the JSON file, but if you decide when you code your own files and you name them a different way, uh, you're going to get CLI files to be named differently. It'll still run, but you're going to have, you're going to see the difference. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So, so I can, you know, again, I don't feel handcuffed. I feel like the CLI is helping me, not, not, not boxing me in. And I wanted a style guide. I've always wanted a style. Uh, I wanted everybody on the project to have follow a style. So that, that feels like goodness to me. It is, and there's a couple of things when I start products I'm learning that I must do as soon as I start. And one of those is, before I generate the, pro the project, go into the Angular, or after, as soon as I generate it, go into the Angular CLI JSON for my project and review the settings and make sure it's what I want. For example, one of the settings, and I don't know the exact name for it, it's basically what is the prefix for all of my components and directives. Mm -hmm. That's something you want to decide up front. And I think out of the box, it's app, APP. That's probably not what I'm going to do for my project. Like I wrote something called Event Viewer and I used EV for them all. So the earlier you change those settings, everything you generate will follow those. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you mentioned something about build process. and Yeah. You know, going from generation, which I think is a valid reason, and if that's all you did was use the CLI for your generation, I think you're doing fine. But if you want a build process too, it actually comes with a couple different variations. Uh, one is you can run ng build. So the DCLI is called ng. I can say ng build, and it will build an in-memory version of the app. In-memory meaning that you're not going to find the files on disk. So to build them in memory, so you could run like ng serve. It'll run it locally in memory. And it's important that it's in memory because that's going to make it super fast. No I.O. for the disk. And then when you make file changes, there's less for it to recopy and all that. So that super fast, fast for me is super, super fast for me as developer. It doesn't do uh, do squat for the end user. Exactly, and it even has a great message, warning message in the terminal that says, "Look," and says it much nicer. But it says, "Look, this is a development server. This is not your production live server." But it's great because you can make changes, and within you know, milliseconds to seconds, you can see those changes in your browser because it's all in memory, uh, which is awesome. And then you also have the option of running ng serve with a dash dash prod, or you can do it in, um, you can make a build that says dash dash prod. And what that'll do is it'll optimize all your code. It'll run it through AOT. It'll, it'll uh, do some tree shaking. It'll bundle it. It'll put hash codes on the file names, you know, minify everything. And it'll stick those in a folder called dist by default. So you can actually take everything in the dist folder and then run it yourself and actually see what a production build is going to look like. So that's super, super powerful. You don't even have to learn gulp or grunt. It just builds it for you. And that's got a lot of value for people who don't have time 
to invest in customizing a build process. So, so John, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And also, you know, one of the things I've heard that's another argument for the CLI um, is that as it continues to evolve, and it, there's so much complexity around the build process that I don't personally want to know anything about. And as the stuff evolves, um, the CLI uh, will evolve with it and make these choices for us so that my build processes over time will only get better. And I'll be able to take advantage of new learnings and new technologies as they roll along without having to touch my app. Uh, whereas if I'm responsible for the build environment myself, as I am when I do my system JS stuff, um, then it's up to me to keep up. So it's, it's good because you can have a build process that you want to fine tune and you want control over. Uh, and you could, or you could just try, say, you know what, I just want a build process, but I've watched John Papa's Gulp course and, or I've learned about Grunt and I just don't want to deal with all the ways you can customize it. And that's where the CLI out of the box is, is really nice. You don't have to think about it. It just does it. Yeah, that's, that's going to be very attractive. And I, and I know it's been very attractive to people who, who teach courses. I mean, I know that's not the main scenario, but it, it's telling that the people who like to teach Angular, a lot of them are teaching it by starting with a CLI. Um, have you tried that approach yet, or is that something in your future? I've done it in a few classes, but to be very honest, most of the classes I've taught, I've taught it from coding it from scratch. And there's two reasons for that. Some of it is at the timing of when I did some classes, sometimes those classes were way earlier in the cycle and I just didn't want people to go through the churn of how I knew the CLI was going to change. Um, I want to teach people things that I know are reproducible and they can be confident in. Um, not that it was a bad thing, it's just that when it's an alpha, I'm not going to teach it. Um, now that it's much more stable, I feel better about it. But the other reason is, even in some cases, I still won't teach the CLI because I would like people to understand what's actually happening. And I feel like if they learn how to code by hand and then they see the CLI, they'll have a greater appreciation for what it does for them, and they'll also understand how to debug it. Yeah, that's that's important. And I, I, I feel also that I, I need to pile on here that that all the things that we have taught um, are really about the, about Angular. Are really about Angular, and they're true whether you're inside the CLI or not. The CLI ain't going to write your code for you. It's just taking care of um, of the the setup and and the the build stuff and the, the spitting out of the initial um, the initial code. But uh, but the techniques and stuff that you know that's Angular and that's you writing application code. Yeah, and it's, uh, there's other things it does, too. We talk about the build and the serving and the generation, but it also does things like tests. So let's say you're not very good at testing, and quite frankly, most people I end up teaching, like if I say, hey, who here writes unit tests all the time, and there's a 200-person room, I might get five or ten people raising their hands. Um, we all talk about it, but not everybody does it. But would you do it if it was dead simple? And when it's generating specs for you, and to me, testing, the hardest part's never been the specs. It's been the setup of Karma or Protractor or things like that. Yeah. Um, that stuff just works out of the box with the CLI. You know, an NG test or NG EDE, uh, those commands, and it runs those things, and it's already pre-configured. So to me, that's super, super valuable. Yeah, it's true. And that first component test, that when you ask for the component spec, you know, it's 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 uh, got all this basic mechanics there for you to, so that it, it, you almost get a smoke test coming out of the gate. So that's, at least you got that going for you. So I agree. Yeah, it is good. And I, you know, guys like Ward who are really good about testing uh, and know the right ways to do it and have written the docs on it, uh, they've you know, chimed in on the CLI and what those tests look like. So you're getting stuff out of the box that is good, clean code. So I feel good about it at least. <laughs> Yeah, no, maybe maybe this will inspire people to uh, to test more of their code. I, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting a revolution, but but um, getting some tests going um, would be uh, a, a real landmark for us. Well, I know that's I have um, evidence that that is true in some cases because uh, I've built a CLI for companies, and part of the CLI I created wasn't nearly as good as what they've done here with Angular, but it actually created testing 
uh, scenarios. So when you generate your app, you're getting specs, you're getting end-to-end, you're getting Protractor and Karma and Mocha or Jasmine, whatever you want. Uh, and it's just dead simple for coders to write tests then. And when you remove all the friction, all the reasons and excuses for not writing tests go away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You write tests, Chuck? I do. Um, I find that they're kind of an integral part of just having some peace of mind that the thing actually does what I want it to. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, I try and write them first, um, but sometimes I get into areas that I don't understand well enough to write them first. So then I'll usually um, punt. I'll write the code. And then depending on on how well I understand that code, I'll either go back and write the test or I'll delete the code and then write the test and do it TDD the second time. Ooh, that is hardcore. That's good. Uh, I, I mean, you know, just to be clear, I spike a lot and I, you know, I, I skip the tests a lot while I'm spiking. Oh gosh. There it is. True. I do it too. Is there yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a TDD. I'm a TDD, but it's test during development for me. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not test driven. Yeah. I, I like to test drive it. Again, it just kind of allows me to think about the problem while I'm, you know, putting something in place that I'm going to do anyway. So there's a couple of commands that are really integral to know. Like, first of all, when you get the CLI, this is how easy it is. You pull down the CLI with npm install dash G angular dash CLI or whatever the name of it is. After you get that, you then just run ng new foo. And what ng-new does is it generates a new app and it scaffolds it out for you in a folder called foo. So you get that app and it's got all the stuff like the scaffolding that War was talking about out of the gate. And from there, you can run all those other ng commands we talked about. And a lot of the docs that you'll see, you'll see things like um, there's commands like ng-generate or, uh, or ng-serve. A lot of these have um, aliases like shortcuts. And those shortcuts are things like for generate, you can just write ng-g. So the longhand for creating a component would be like ng generate component, and then the name. Or you could just say ng space g space c, and then the name. And that's really helpful as you're, you know, you're sitting in the terminal, you don't want to type everything out. It kind of makes you fly along creating these things. And it's got a cool feature I really like called dry run. So let's say you wanted to run a bunch of generation commands, but you wanted to see what files is that going to create before you actually create them? Because nobody likes to generate code and then delete it. You can actually put a flag in there called dry run, and it will generate um, like a list in the console to tell you this is the stuff that would have been generated. So it kind of gives you a preview before you actually do it. So I've really thought about some of these, these cases of, wait a minute, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm getting used to it. And of course, there's some ng help to look up help information about the flags that you can set. Uh, there's also the uh, ng doc. Let's say you wanted to go directly to the Angular IO docs that Ward has uh, such, done such a great job on, and you could go right to a topic. So you type ng doc space then components, and it'll go right to the docs in the browser for you for that particular topic. So there's a lot of little nice Easter eggs laid throughout the ng uh, the compiler for uh, sorry the CLI that'll make your life a lot easier. So, Ward, you started talking about exit plans. Uh, what about entrance plans? Have you thought about how you would take an app that you've written today without the CLI and kind of going over to the CLI and what that might mean to you? Yes. Um, and I think we were exploring that for the docs also because we have all the samples. And we'd like to be able to just lift up the application folder, which is where our commitment is, and and drop it into an existing NGC scaffold. NG scaffold, sorry. You know, something you did, uh, you scaffolded, uh, and have it just sort of say, well, that's good. Let's let's roll. We got, uh, we're, now we got the um, CLI going. And uh, I'm told um, that that's very doable. So uh, going into the CLI from standing on the outside looks very possible. And that's an exciting prospect to me because um, I figure there are going to be a lot of people who have got a head start and wondering if, the, if what, what they have to do to get to the CLI. Have you tried that, John, yourself? I have. And the experience today is great. Uh, it didn't start that way. Honestly, for a while, 
again, like a year ago, I would take apps and I would only really trust taking small apps and moving it over to the CLI. Like apps I've written with System.js, like following kind of the doc samples. Because um, it was difficult and it wasn't Angular code, it was all the setup code. You know, the TS config and the typings and the System.js config or moving to Webpack and the index HTML, all that stuff. Uh, today, actually just this last week, I took a medium-sized app, something with about you know, 80, 90 files in it, and I moved it over to the CLI. So what I did is I generated a new CLI project, scaffolded it, named it the same as my other app just to keep it consistent. And I then copied the app folder, the folder over that you're talking about. And from there, I only had to change a few other things. And one of those was the TS config, though I found that was slightly different. Uh, another one was the index HTML. Mm-hmm. In fact, one thing people will find is that the index HTML in the CLI project is it's almost like what's missing. And have it's you looked really, at that yet, Word? Yeah, it's really, really skinny. Uh, it's only got a few scripts, a little bit of stuff in it, right? It actually has no scripts. No scripts? So that's oh. the first thing that stunned me. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no scripts. There's no styles. What's going on in here? How can this thing run? Um, and what happens is a lot of this stuff gets injected and built as it goes. Mm. So there was a little, so there were a few files like that that I kept alone. Uh, it took me less than an hour to get this app that was, again, 80, 90 files moved over to the CLI. And most of that time was me being very meticulous by doing this process. Generate the code CLI, commit it to GitHub, like locally, and then copy my files over, see what the changes were, not the new files, but the changes, and then go through every change, basically file by file, just so I could understand what would I have to do. And I think in the end, I had four files that actually had to change. And that was it. Wow. That's going to be something we're going to want to teach. Yeah. It was very, very impressive. I was not expecting. I mean, I set aside like a whole day to do this. (laughs) And I was done before lunch. So I was very happy with it. Um, One of the things you mentioned in there seems to me a critical step. And it was also with regard to the dry run. And that's... um, making um, good use of, of Git and your, of your source control system so that you make little tiny changes and sort of commit them as you go so that you can't get into, you can't go too long, you know, and accidentally cream the whole system. Yeah, and I did this obviously to see what the differences were, but if I was to develop an app from scratch at the CLI, my general processes, and I do this without CLI too, is I will generate the app, scaffold it, write zero custom code, and the first thing I do is I commit it. That way, I don't get that big. I get that one big commit of like 50 files or whatever I have. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many are in there. And then every time I make a change, like let's add a component and add it to the module. Well, I maybe I commit those three or four files in one commit. So I do each thing one at a time. You know, John, you and I, and I bet probably you too, Chuck, we're so used to now get in that the flexibility and freedom to just commit and back up and all that other stuff that we forget that um, a significant part of our, our audience and, and the world doesn't use Git or hasn't used Git and is justly afraid of it because the commands are really, they take a while to learn. Um, yeah. We were there. We were all there. But it's, uh, all we can do is tell you that it's worth it. Uh, it's a struggle. And I meet people all the time, and I know you do. Every time we go to you know a seminar and we start one of these things, a workshop, and it's one of the early hurdles is that people have never used Git before, and they've never used source control in the way that you're describing. That it's source control is really your partner in development, not your enemy in development, which is before Git was pretty much it was a, such a pain. It was, oh, God. Um, but now we use it just, just uh, like breathing. And um, I think we got to, we, 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 we forget how much we, we use it like breathing and, and that other people don't yet. Yeah. And we need, to, we need to help them understand that's possible. We should actually do a show in the future on how Git can be your friend for being an Angular developer. Yeah. yeah so there's one last thing I really wanted to, to bring up about the CLI, which doesn't get a lot of talk, and it's but it's one of those things that you won't even run into. As a new user to the CLI, you won't care about this until you do. And what I mean is you're using the CLI, you're trugging along, a new version of the CLI comes out. Oh, goodness. And now, uh-oh, wait, the Angular CLI JSON has different properties in it than it used to, or some new features. Not breaking changes, but new stuff. Um, there's new features in the CLI. Again, this got not be breaking changes from what they're saying, but 
there's new things. How do you not make your app stale and old, but take advantage of the new features? Well, one of the things they're building into this is a way to, when the new CLI comes out, to run a command that will effectively give you a diff. It'll say, I'll update all those files for you, your Angular uh, CLI JSON, for example, or your tsconfig JSON, and I'm going to overwrite them. That is an option, by the way. But instead of overwriting them, I'm going to tell you, these are the files that would change. And by the way, here's a diff. So you can see the before and after and then accept them or not. And to me, that's really cool because it helps you stay up to date. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be really important. That, I, I think there's something planned like that also for as Angular itself evolves. Yes, so I hear. And that the CLI would help with that. So, Because right now, as we know, that's, you know, uh that's that's a threat, you know. I mean, perceived threat that uh, as Angular evolves, you know, how do I keep up? And it sure would be nice to know um, not only that the stuff that you're writing is backwards compatible, but that there was an easy way forward. I agree. And I think that that the CLI, the intention is that the CLI should have the ability to help you move forward from one Angular release to the next. Another reason to. Um, to live within the boundaries of the CLI, if you possibly can. Ward, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that feels so good. John, you've trained smart. me well. You're getting smarter with every minute in this podcast. I just wanted to say yeah. that. <laughs> Ward, you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, John, what have we left out? Anything uh, or other than we could just say, go get yourself some CLI? It's time to use it. I mean, there's other things it does, but it's time to use it. I would recommend anybody who tries it to, you know, open issues, search the issues first if you find problems or questions or how it goes. Uh, but definitely check out the GitHub pages. If there's one place it lacks today, and I don't think this will be the case in the next week or two, maybe by the time the show airs, it's the documentation. Um, the docs right now are on the wiki, and there's a massive update uh, underway to add all the latest changes to it and commands. Uh, once that's in place, I think it's going to be a lot better. But right now, like a lot of the commands I've been looking up, I just knew what they were, or I asked somebody in the team, or I searched GitHub for them, or looked at the source code. Um, but within the next, I'd say, and I'm, you know, I guess you guys can hold me to this. In the next two weeks, I'm betting that all that stuff's going to show up in the wiki. Nice. Yeah. Well, this episode will release in three weeks, so people can go check right now. They can see how exactly they can see if John. <laughs> was right. Yeah, and we all know John has been wrong way too many times here. So uh, no, I'm feeling I'm feeling you're right on the money. Yeah. I think it'll be good. If you if you've been holding off using the CLI, go use it. It's definitely a good experience at this point. I'm gonna push the button tomorrow. No, I'm gonna push the button today. Good. And if you're going to NGConf, I'll be doing a talk that involves the CLI. So you'll see some of it there too. Nice. All right. Should we wrap it up and go do picks? Let's do it. All right. Um, who wants to go first? I've got, I don't, I'm making this one up. I have nothing. All I have right. nothing right now. I don't know I, why. I, 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 <laughs> I will jump because in and do the, picks first. So uh, <laughs> the first thing I'm going to pick is um, I've, I've talked about this probably once or twice, but I've, been rearranging my office. Um, I got two new motorized sit-stand desks, um, which is nice because I kind of have my computer set up on one and kind of a work surface set up on the other. So I've got a TV on there, and that's about it. A few knickknacks and pens and stuff, um, you know, where I do journaling and stuff. Um, but it's nice because I can move back and forth between the two if I need to look something up on my computer and then go back to the, the other workspace. Or if I want to, you know, put something up with the Chromecast off of my phone or something. Um, but uh, anyway, on my desk that I have my computer on, I've also set up the audio equipment. And so with the mixer and everything else, it kind of takes up a bit of space on the desk. And I found that having the headphones there too, just put it over the edge. And so um, I found a hook. Um, they call it an anchor. And that's because it's shaped kind of like, like an anchor if you can imagine it, um, except it has a glue uh, spot on the top, a big sticky spot. So you peel off the cover on that and then you 
stick it up on the bottom of your desk and you know, the, the wings of the anchor are what you hang your headphones on. And so that's been really nice just uh, to be able to take my headphones off, hang them there. They're totally out of the way. It's not a big deal. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. And then the other pick I have is um, it's not Slack per se, but it is. Um, so the, the folks that I have helping me operate the podcast and the conferences and things like that, um, we, we have a team Slack. And the thing that's nice about that is that um, I've created a channel that's called Daily Check-In um, just because people get on and off at different times. And, you know, I don't want to have to tell them when to be here and, you know, are you working? Are you getting your stuff done? So they can just check in and let me know. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams do the stand-up meetings and have the accountability that way. But uh, I'm finding that this Daily Check-In is good enough because I can just look at it read it and then give them feedback on it immediately. And uh, yeah, I asked the same questions. What did, what are you doing today? Or what did you do today? Um, what are you going to do tomorrow? Or what did you do yesterday? You know, just depending on which way they're reporting it. And then what are you stuck on? And that way I can just unstick them and uh, get stuff done. And that way the podcasts go out on time and the, um, you know, all the other things that, that we have to do to make things work around here get done. And so I'm super excited about that. And the last pick I have is Angular Remote Conf. Um, I've been talking to Jules. I think we're going to have the Angular core team there. So if you want to come to a two-day online JavaScript conference, we're going to have a Slack room for that. And we're also going to uh, have um, it's a Google Hangout roundtable chat for attendees and speakers. And last time it was a lot of fun. We had two or three speakers and one or two attendees show up for the DevOps conference. I'm, just, I'm expecting this conference to have a lot more attendees. And so we'll probably have several more people there. But the idea is, is that, you know, after the conference, you all kind of go out to dinner and sit and chat. And this is the opportunity to kind of do that. So uh, bring some food, turn on your computer. We'll talk at each other over webcams and it'll be fun. So if you're looking for any of that without all the travel costs and all that good stuff, uh, go to jsremoteconf.com and sign up for tickets. Um, if you use the code AIA, you'll get 20% off. And uh, yeah, th those are my picks. John, do you have some picks now? My pick is Girl Scout cookies. Oh. It is Girl Scout cookie season. <laughs> and there is a new Girl Scout cookie. So I, I have four sisters. I have three daughters. I have been surrounded by Girl Scouts my whole life, and I've seen the same cookies every year. And this year, they have a cookie called S'mores, oh. and it is fantastic. I have been able to resist Girl Scout cookies my whole life. This particular cookie is so good that you have to try it. I think John just picked me about five pounds. Oh, goodness. And John, where can I get this Girl Scout cookie? <laughs> Any local Girl Scout, I'm sure. I oh, I thought you might have a Girl Scout who could use uh, the plug. Oh, I do, I do, but they're selling just fine. Uh, and the funny thing is, Charles talking about you know gaining weight and all. I had an awful year last year for exercise and health. I literally gained about 20 pounds last year. Didn't exercise well, and I told myself in the beginning of December that uh, I was going to change that. And I got back to getting healthy again. So my second pick is going to be get healthy. Whatever you want to do, whether it's running or, you know, doing MMA or doing uh, jump training or getting on a bike um, or hiking like Ward likes to do, do it. No more excuses. Just do it. And I've lost 15 pounds in the last two months, and it's uh, it's been great. I actually feel better healthy mentally and uh, physically. Well, darn, I found your 15 that you lost, and I'm ready to give them back. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just going to pile on there real quick. Um, John actually introduced me to this. It's a 22-minute hardcore workout that you can do every day uh, from Beachbody. And so, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't have an hour and a half to drive to the gym and, you know, lift weights and then have a shower and then get back to work. Um, just put your gym clothes on in your office. Uh, do this for 22 minutes and then, you know, and then have a quick shower and get back to work. It's great to hear. I'm glad you're doing that one. Uh, I'm doing one now from the same company called Core de Force. It's all MMA type stuff. 
And I don't know anything about MMA, but uh, other than what it is. <laughs> You're building an octagon great. in your office, John? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I come and visit you, I'm going to come out of there with bruises. How do you think we resolve our differences? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John and his fellow uh, former prison guards. I am terrified. Terrified. All right, Ward, um, what are your picks? <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Um well, actually, in the Slack territory, they added a new feature called Threads recently, and I'm really glad that they I did. Love it. it allows you to sort of, uh, in a channel, sort of pull aside a conversation and let it let it grow around a particular topic, without you know having to create an entire new dedicated channel that nobody will ever get to. So that's pretty nice. Um, I like that. How do you do and, that? Well, for one thing, you do have to reinstall. Uh, it didn't come automatically when I, it did on my phone. It updated automatically on my phone, but I had to uninstall and reinstall my desktop app. Uh, so, uh, but oh, there it start is. Start a thread. It's right there. Start a thread. Oh, over. And, I, and I have a special guest who wants to make an announcement. Hold on one sec here. Hi, Girl Scout cookies. There we go. Yum. <laughs> Keep the thin mints away from me. They're never too far. <laughs> Fortunately. That's you know that's I'm not vulnerable to sweets like that, but I am to salt and fat. Everybody has their their bane, and you know the key of getting healthy is not to quit them cold turkey. It's to do moderation, you know, exercise, and you can still have things like that. Just don't eat eighty of them. Yeah. Well. All right. Uh, I'll try and keep that in mind. So anyway, um, that's what I got for picks right now. Uh, I'll try and do better next uh, next week. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will be back next week. Talk to you guys later. Yep. See you all later. Ciao. Bye. Bye.